The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Hi everybody, this is Dr. Ray. You are listening to a least worst of The Doctor is In. We have no best of, but this is truly one of our least worst. Nice to have you with me here on The Doctor Is In. You have always been a voice of reason through all of this. Appreciate your time, what you're doing for America. I give you advice, and it doesn't work at all. You are definitely not inept by any means. I like to hear women say that about me. Whatever advice you're going to send my way, I am 100% taking it. I can't tell you what to do. I will not tell you what to do. Okay. Well, thanks. That wasn't the answer I wanted. Are you kidding me? Great stuff, Dr. Ray. I'm glad I called. I've scheduled my day around listening to your radio show. <laughs> Don't have to laugh so hard. Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray. Spent some time last night with the wonderful folks. Right to life in Michigan, Macomb County. Had about 500 people there. Had a fella coming in from Canada talking about not assisted suicide, euthanasia, and how it just expands from the idea that it's just going to be a few limited circumstances of people in unendurable pain, very near death, to pretty much whatever you sort of decide is unbearable in your life. It was frightening the way he talked about it. And I saw the parallels happening here in the U.S. and the States. Know what it is, dear people. It's not a matter of somebody saying, I just want to... I just want to end it because I'm going to die in two months anyway. I'm miserable. I'm in unbelievable pain. It's not, that's not most of it. Most of it is I'm lonely because of my afflictions. Or they even talked about a couple of veterans who were diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder. And they went to get help at the VA and the VA recommended. Have you thought about Suicide. We can help. Anyway, had my eyes open as much as I knew about this stuff. It was frightening. But I want to thank those folks there for allowing me to be part of it. This is The Doctor Is In. It's the name of the program. Phone call. I am just a call away. Well, 10 numbers away. 877 Five seven three seven eight two five. Now I can hear a collective perfect. Count how many times you talk to somebody and give them any kind of information about yourself and they tell you you're perfect. Perfect. Go to a restaurant. Yeah, I'd like the uh, pie with a uh, side of coffee, please. Perfect. Uh, my name, Gurendi, G-U-A-R-E-N-D-I. Perfect. Uh, you can put this on my credit card. Perfect. Well, my appointment then is is what time? It's 1 o'clock. I'll be there. Perfect. Yes, perfect is the new affirmation, I guess. Well, our Lord does say you must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect, but I'm not sure that's exactly what he meant. 877-57-EQUAL. 
perfect. If you have a question about something in your life, someone in your life, something that's befuddling you, something that's frustrating you, something that's saying, I wish it weren't this way. Stop it. Make it go away. Make it quit. I'm a psychologist. That's what I do professionally. On the radio, I can educate, give a few thoughts, a few ideas. We can stick our heads together. If you're calling in about a kid, well, you know, that little five-year-old may be smarter than you, and he may be smarter than me, but he's probably not smarter than both of us. And even if he is smarter than both of us, you control everything. That gives you an enormous number of IQs, uh, practically speaking, over and above him. You know, my brother just texted me something. There's a running back for the Cleveland Browns, Nick Chubb. Chubb is a a very skilled running back, and he sent me the picture of the injury that that man had, and I'm I'm hurting for him. I'm truly, truly hurting for him. I mean, he's most definitely out for the year, but it's one of those things that could be the end of his career, and he's a young man. I don't know much about his personal life, but it's, it's kind of funny how that is. You know, every... Every piece of hurt somewhere, somehow, comes to your attention, or at least a lot of them. We adopted our daughter, Mary, when she was two. Her given name was Twamishia. And I told the adoption worker, said, that's uh, Aramaic, I believe, for uh, Mary. Adoption worker said, really? I said, yeah, I think so. I'm not sure about that, but I think so. And Mary was the half-sibling of James, whose name given was Jamez. We had had the opportunity to adopt James because an interesting thing was happening at the time. This was back in the, oh, let's see, James, odd carrier 6, minus 3, minus 4, plus 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 5, add 6, power 10. This was just on the immediate aftermath of a federal, uh, I don't know if it was a law, probably HHS, Health and Human Services, essentially said if there are children in foster care and someone of another race wishes to adopt them, you can't stop it. If it's an appropriate placement, you can't stop it because they're black and the adoptive potential parents are white. So... There were a number of children released from Columbiana County foster care. Not Columbiana, sorry, Cuyahoga County, Cleveland, foster care. We heard about little James. He was one of the few left. Adoption worker called us and told us about him, so I went up there, and uh, while we were doing the interview process, the adoption worker says, well, he has a little half-sister. And little Mary was a half-sister. So this was was a little, uh, you know, BOGO, buy one, get one free. Well, Mary had a very, how shall we say, turbulent experience. Womb environment was not good. And there were two years where she was in various situations. Mary was struggling to overcome a lot of that bad start. Well, we got Mary, and she realized... For whatever the reason, this is one of those kid quirks, she liked to cut clothes. Discovered that when we noticed some clothes were being cut. Well, we made it very hard for her to cut clothes. We put things where she couldn't get them. Well, she wasn't dumb. 
She realized she had teeth. And so she could bite clothes and tug and rip them. Hmm. Well, we weren't going to replace all those clothes, for heaven's sake. Couldn't catch her all the time. And then she realized her siblings had clothes. Huh. What do you know? Like a buffet. A clothier buffet. We would go to church, and some of those clothes would be worn. I mean, they weren't. Well, let me put it this way. This was before all the torn clothes was cool. Now, heavens, Mary's tearing of clothes was slight compared to what the average teenage girl wears with the major league tears in it. That you can't tear yourself, of course. You have to have the professionals tear your clothes. You can't just tear them yourself. You know a culture is way, way, way too rich when they have to take stuff and make it look ruinous, disheveled. After one mass, a little old Italian lady came over to us, and she shook my hand, and in her hand was something that felt like a cigarette. It was a rolled-up $10 bill. And she said to me very sweetly, buy the children some clothes. Now, when we had adopted Mary, that, that at that point we had nine kids. And uh, let's see, Mary came in. They were all under uh, 10, 10, 10, 11, all under 10, 11. So you can imagine what we looked like traipsing into mass. We needed a whole pew and then some. And my wife and I couldn't exactly sit in between all the kids. There were going to be kids left out of arm's reach, which is not good in mass or en mass. So we went out after Mass, and I said to my wife, I said, uh, there was a, an Italian woman there, a little, little older woman, who uh, gave us $10 to buy the kids' clothes. And my wife, being far more proper than I am, said, Ray, you can't keep that. Give it back. I said, honey, she's gone. She's gone. And I knew I was going to wait to tell you till she was gone, because I knew if she was here, you'd say, go over there and give it to her back. I said, but we got a problem. She said, what's that? I said, well, okay, we we went to 4 o'clock vigil mass, and she's there. But what happens if she's not there and she's going to go to mass on Sunday? So maybe I should leave her some envelopes just on the edge of the pew, Grandy Clothing Fund, something like that. She did this a couple more times, and I thought it was incredibly charitable of me to essentially say, well, if she wants to be that good about it, that's that's great. That's really good. Well, something happened to to twist my uh, generous spirit. On Christmas Eve, a woman came up to us and shook my hand and had three cigarettes in it. Well, they weren't cigarettes. They were rolled up $100 bills, $300 bills, because she wanted us to get the kids Christmas presents. And the way she did it was clear she wanted to be generous, and I couldn't say, oh, no, 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 here, you just take these back. 
So, I told my wife, if that little Italian Catholic lady tries to get away with just giving us 10 bucks, she's going to get a piece of my mind. That's it. She can't go any higher than that. I've got donators that are doing 30 times what she's given. Well, I didn't have to do that because she apparently never gave any more because well, we started sewing up Mary's clothes. So what happens when you got a whole bunch of kids and you know you got to roll with it? You got to roll with it. Hit it, Joe! All the advice, none of the bills. The doctor is in. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. While Mary's not mentioned as often as Moses, not mentioned as often as Peter or Paul, her role in Scripture is even more significant. She's absolutely unique. There are many prophets, there are many apostles, but there's only one God-bearer. There are a lot of people who proclaim the Word of God. There's only one woman who bore the Word of God, quite literally, within her. She's utterly unique in that she literally transmits the Word of God to the world. So when the Word of God wanted to take on human flesh, whose human flesh did he choose? It was Mary's. She donated out of her own life substance the flesh of Jesus. The body prepared for Christ is taken from the Blessed Mother. Nobody else in salvation history occupies such a role. Cresta in the Afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. Hi, I'm Al Cresta. Do you remember writing your Christmas wish list as a child? In developing countries like Haiti and Guatemala, children don't make Christmas lists, and they don't expect Christmas gifts. All their parents earn must go to food, shelter, and water. Can you picture the joy of surprising a child with their first Christmas gift? Send them a box of joy at boxofjoy.org. A rosary and the story of Jesus is included in every box of joy. Give today at boxofjoy.org. You are listening to a least worst of The Doctor Is In. We have no best of. Well, Ruth did it. Most people don't. The vast majority don't. If they send me an email and I ask, can you please call the program? I can ask some questions. I can kind of flesh out and give you a give you a few few thoughts that might be a little more on target if I can ask a couple of probing that's the word you gotta use when you're a psychologist, probing questions. So Ruth did. She said, All right, I'll take you up on that. Hi Ruth. Me? Yes, ma'am. Um, How are you? Uh I'm good. I'm uh, I hope that you're good too, with all those children that you have. <laughs> well, I was twitching for for several years, but I I think the twitch has subsided now. They're they're mostly grown. You're you're a pro, yes. Yeah. My question is about my daughter. 
um, she married a, a, a young man who was not Catholic, uh, but the, he did come over and he wanted to receive the sacraments. Um, and that was about um, 17 years ago. And after that, a while, she went into the service for eight years, and he was home with us. And he started just uh, stopping, stopping going to church, and he stopped receiving, and he started telling me that he didn't believe in the Blessed Mother. So, you know, I thought he was going through some kind of a, some kind of a, I don't know, separation from his home or from church and for where he was believing in, maybe because my daughter was in the service and she was like in harm's way. Or, I don't know. After that, she came home and um, she went to work and we had a great relationship. He he said, I will never go to church again, but he never told me why. Uh, and then um, she had her first child and she was baptized. After that, uh, when I spoke to them, because the girls, well, they were growing, and I expected her being a Catholic, profound Catholic, and all my children, that she would start taking them to church and have them baptized. She had the first one baptized, and after that, they, she ne- never went to church again, and the girls You talked to her about baptized. this? Ruth, did you talk to I her did. about this? I did, and, and she said she that the, her husband was the head of the house. He had the right to decide mm-hmm. where his daughters were going to be taught, and what. And he didn't mm-hmm. believe in the Blessed Virgin, and mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. Um, she was going to respect him. And I had to have. Well, let's to summarize him. it. Let's summarize it. He just doesn't want to have anything to do with the Catholic faith anymore, and she went along. Yes. Okay. And I thought that that was not her part to do that because she was born and raised a Catholic. Well, it's and her part I, to do. Ruth, wait. It's her part to do anything she wants. It's not that it's necessarily good, and it's not that it's uh, not risky to her soul, but right. she can do whatever she wants. Now, have you stopped seeing them, or have they said, don't come over here? Um, she said she came over a couple of months ago after four years, and she said to me, you have to stop. Wait, wait, cause... after four years, you hadn't seen her for four years? Yes. Wow! I, could, I spoke to her a lot. But I had not seen her. Ooh. They live in California. I live in Clarksville. Well, even they at that, they don't come they, over. Okay, they just don't want to visit you, and he doesn't talk to you at all. Well, he used to, and he stopped somehow because right. uh, I would send they don't, the they little don't, girls. They don't like the way you be Catholic. That's right. And then my worry is, I'm seventy ready, and and I thought that my duty was to speak about Jesus and speak about Mary and speak about the not, church. Not when they throw it back in your face. Not when they mm-hmm. tell you, I don't want to hear it. Yeah. Well, what is Jesus going to say to me when I no, look at his see, face? But... Now, I knew you were going to say this. So here's what you're saying. You're saying, I got to keep approaching the subject because if I don't, the Lord's going to hold me accountable. Right? Yes. Okay. Are you familiar with what our Lord said when he sent out the disciples two by two. And he said, talk about the faith, heal the sick, cast out demons, Mm -hmm. go to a house that accepts you and stay there. But Mm -hmm. if they don't want to hear what you have to say, what did he tell them to do? Just uh, take the dirt off your feet. Yeah. 
That was a rabbinic way of saying, that's it. That's it. You want to hear it? I'm done. You're not. But as a mother, we always have a responsibility for a child. Well, you had that responsibility. You raised her for 20 years. You did it. Don't I have a responsibility for my grandchildren a little bit? No, not if they don't let you. Oh. No. If they, if it's, it's in essence, what they've done is they said, look, we don't hear any more about this Catholic stuff. Mm-hmm. And furthermore, we really don't like the way you're Catholic. I mean, we could probably tolerate you if you were just kind of a marginal, lukewarm sort of Catholic that kind of followed the culture's ways and thought the way the culture thinks. But you don't, Mom. So therefore, first of all, you are not allowed, not allowed to talk Catholic. Mm -hmm. You're not allowed to say anything. We will not tolerate, because we're so tolerant, you having any beliefs of your own. That's That's what they're saying. So... When they've made it so clear, your best move is just to have the best relationship you can have with them and avoid the Catholic stuff. Avoid it. You're not under any moral obligation. They don't want to hear it. I thought that God would not be pleased with that action. Well, okay. Are you saying, for example, I know a whole boatload of people who don't even believe in God. Are you saying that I need to keep telling them all the time when they don't want to hear it, when they get hostile and angry, am I obligated morally to tell them, hey, you know, i got to tell you more about this? Okay. I no. thought that maybe once in a while I should say something. No, I wouldn't. Okay. I, you got to let that relationship heal. And the only way it's going to heal is if... You simply be a mom, and you pray for them as you do. I know you do. That's why I don't say pray for them, because you do. And hopefully your daughter, at some point, will start thinking about, maybe moved by the grace of God, to come back to the way she was raised. Okay. But it's interesting how she put it. He's the head of the household. Well, if there's a God, God is the head of the household over and above the husband who says, you can't go to church. You can't raise our kids Catholic, even though he agreed to. So mm-hmm. he went back mm-hmm. on his commitment. That's I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened yeah. to him. But I do know this, Ruth. His culture is like a belt sander. It's so good at immediately taking away the beliefs that someone was raised with. Uh-huh. That's right. You're right. It's true, sweetheart. It's true. That's right. And, right. and I thank you for those words because it helps me. It helps me. I was not decided. I didn't know what to do. I was no. like back and forth. No, no, no. Your soul is not in jeopardy because somebody says, I don't want to hear it at all. Don't talk about it. You just make me mad. Your soul's not in jeopardy. Mm-hmm. You're simply doing what they're forcing upon you. Thank you, dear. Thank you for the call. Um, okay. I, that was going to be a look back call. I, uh, I spent a lot of time on that. It's the old, I feel guilty because I'm not living up to my moral obligation to continue to press upon someone who absolutely doesn't want to hear it. Now, I'm not talking about people who are not resistant or who are somewhat open or are indifferent. I'm talking about people who flat out say, Get your stupid, ugly beliefs out of my face. And there's a lot of that out there. 
The irony is, I guarantee you, well, I don't guarantee you, I semi-guarantee you, that folks like that who say we pride ourselves on our tolerance simply do not allow you to have the beliefs that you have. They can't say, well, I think your beliefs are ridiculous, but, you know, I respect your right to have them. No, 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 no. No, we're going we're gonna to write you off. We're going to shut you down because you are simply not allowed to think a certain way in my tolerance. 877-57 equal. The wisdom of Mother Angelica. You remember the time I said on the air, go to confession. And when you're done, go out and have a big ice cream soda. Celebrate. And a man wrote to me, he said, you know, I hadn't gone to confession in 30 years. Do you mind if I went and had a pizza? (laughs) I said, oh, have 20 pizzas. EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic. Who is the Creator's masterpiece? The Catholic Catechism says that God's masterwork of the mission of the Son and the Spirit is the all-holy, ever-Virgin Mary. She, for the first time, was the dwelling where the Father could place His Son and His Spirit to live among men. The Church, says the Catechism, has often read the most beautiful texts on wisdom as relating to Mary. She is acclaimed in liturgy as the seat of wisdom. The Holy Spirit prepared Mary for her great task by filling her with grace, and by sheer grace she was conceived without sin. It was appropriate that she, in whom the eternal Son would dwell, would herself be without any stain of original sin. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. Please visit us at our website, www.maltausa.org. Ciao, amici. Teresa Tamio here. If you're looking for something inspiring to give to someone this Christmas season, or maybe just a little stocking stuffer for yourself, make sure to check out the Ave Maria Radio online store. Plenty of books are sale to teach, inspire, and renew your connection with God. Speaking of sales, my book, Everything's Coming Up Rosie, is 25% off this month while supplies last. So go ahead over to AveMariaRadio.net and click on the bookstore. Happy shopping. You're listening to The Least Worst of The Doctor Is In with Dr. Ray Garendi. So please, no calls at this time. Massaging your IQ, raising you into the red zone. Dr. Ray Garendi, thanks for joining me. Lily from Colorado has an interesting circumstance here with one of her friends playing the system. Lily, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? Okay. Here's what I know. You got a friend in an eight-year marriage. Her husband converted to Catholicism. They got some complicated finances. 
So husband says, let's get a divorce so we can get out of financial debt. Then we'll get remarried again. Yes. Is she agreeable? No, she don't like the idea. And it's actually her grown son. I was in a previous marriage. And, you know, it took him forever to get the annulment from her previous marriage so they could get their marriage blessed in the church. And they recently just did that, like, three months ago. And now this debt has come up. She co-signed for him. He dropped out of college, refuses to pay it back. And her husband is, they've notified the wife. She's a housewife, so she doesn't have any income coming in. And he said, absolutely not. We're not paying this debt, and I'm going to avoid that by, you know, taking your name off the mortgage, for one, because I don't want them to put a lien or force us to sell the house, etc. And the only way to do that, and I said, well, refinance. And she said, we talked about that. No, because the interest rates are too high. I said, well, get a job and you pay it because you co-signed, right? You knew the responsibilities of being a co-signer. She goes, exactly. But he says, no, it's his responsibility and he has to pay it back. I go, well, you can't force him. He's not going to. So to me, I'm like, Ray, he's throwing away your relations your marriage away for seventy six thousand dollars what if she said i'm not i'm not going to cooperate what if she said i'm not going to cooperate in this divorce she said he didn't have a choice she didn't have a choice he did it online he made it to where she you know she she he doesn't have to pay her alimony um, the agreement is she can live in the house for a year. Um, there's a spare bedroom. Wait, wait, wait. Um, he's, wait a minute. he's already got a divorce? Yeah, apparently he already uh, did this online, and he clicked uh, the E uh, sign for her, is what well, she told me. Well, that's fraudulent. Exactly, and that's what I... So for one thing, he just... Yeah, he's he's going about this all wrong and, and, and against the beliefs is for one thing, too. And then well, he apparently, to play apparently they're not against his beliefs. <laughs> no. What is she going to do about this? What, what is she going to do? What is she going to do about this? I, she, I, to me, she sounds so naive. She wants me to call my priest and ask if she could still take the Eucharist. That's her biggest concern. Can I still take the Eucharist? I said, Ray, it's more than that. Well, you can't just uh, play house. Obviously, obviously, he's he's going to live there. It, it it's 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 rife with all kinds of moral implications. What is interesting here is that it's boy, I, I you know I can't know here, Lily. I'm not a lawyer. I can't know what the details are. I can't know exactly what kind of terms that somehow, some way, uh, that he. I boy, I, I'm confused on this totally. Um, I guess what I would do is I would speak with her if you can. I mean, obviously, here's the thing, Lily. You can't do anything that she doesn't want to do. You can give her every opportunity. And she'll say, well, I can't do that. I can't do that. No, I can't do that. No, that won't work. He won't let me do that. That's what you've been hearing, right? Uh, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Exactly. So what she's saying is, 
I'm going to cooperate. I'm going to do what he says. Which is fascinating because I think she'd best talk to a priest because she's, she's playing fast and loose with the marriage bond, it would seem, just from what you've described. Um, mm-hmm. And the other thing that this just, I'm just curious about this is that apparently for 76 grand, this man who converted to Catholicism, and now this is the second call in a row we've gotten like this, where you got these spouses who convert to Catholicism and then decide they're tired of it. I've seen this so much. So I think I think maybe she needs to really think about how much she's going to morally cooperate with all this. The other issue is the fraudulence if he signed her name that's that's wild and and if he's going to somehow do some financial trickery to get out of the 76 grand. So I think she just definitely needs some moral guidance, and if she doesn't go, she says, no, I'm not going to go, then perhaps she's just so afraid of losing this guy that she'll do whatever he says. Yeah, that's what's weird to me is that they were. she was ready to leave him because of some infidelity that she had found he'd been doing for two years. And um, he was willing to get some help through their church, and their deacon was working with them, and then also trying to get this annulment from her previous marriage. But she also had moved out of the house and moved with her grown daughter for a while. So this is something, you know, Lily, this is something that has a history to it. It's complex, uh, and there's just a whole bunch of dynamics going on. In that situation, this this isn't as simple as yeah. Well, hey, I'll tell you what. I found a financial loophole. And see, here's what we do: we'll get divorced, and then somehow this seventy six grand will get washed away, and then we'll get back together again. Uh, it sounds like this marriage has been bouncing for quite a while. Am I wrong? That's what I said. I said, what if this mm-hmm. is just his way mm-hmm. out too? Well, yeah. Well, for seventy six grand, he wants out. You know, who knows? I know. I just right. think. Well, you you need to you need to accept your helplessness. You grand. need to accept your helplessness. You can't fix it if she doesn't want to change. <laughs> and she's like my like mentor with like <laughs> we do our studying <laughs> together. With yeah, her. well then you better I'm help her, her help her understand what hour. she's studying. Well, she's doing catechism for kids, mm-hmm. and I'm like, Ray, you're just her name. Well, our faith is really something we want until it becomes inconvenient. It's kind of the way it is. Thanks, Lily. Thank you for the call. This is Dr. Ray. Appreciate the company. Try to get to, to you. But what people, we, we just have such a hard time when somebody is doing something stupid and foolish and self-destructive and they don't want to change. We have such a hard time accepting our helplessness. Maybe it's because I'm a shrink. And maybe it's because... So many of the people that come to me really aren't going to change, and I've gotten used to it. But for most people, there's a small handful of folks in their lives that they think they want to change, even though these people are saying, no, no, I'm just going to do it this way, no matter what you say. Hmm. I'm used to being helpless. I have children.
Catholic Connection with Teresa Tomio. The church isn't saying throw out the baby with the bathwater. Throw out all the media. Don't use the media. What the Pope is saying that make sure that what you are doing is enabling yourself and others to encounter Christ more deeply. And you can't do that unless you reach out. You have to reach out to God first. You have to encounter him in the Eucharist, in that personal relationship. And then you pray, you reflect, and then you go. In my book, Beyond Sunday, Becoming a 24-7 Catholic, I talk about the three M's of faith, meeting, mercy, and mission. You meet and encounter Christ. You enter into a personal relationship with him. He gives you mercy. And then what do you do? You just sit there and say, oh, thanks, Jesus. See you later. No, you go out on mission exactly as the woman at the well did. Catholic Connections, Teresa Tomio. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Christ is the Answer with Father John Ricardo. You know, maybe we need to ask ourselves, do we really know Jesus? Maybe another way to ask that would be, how familiar are you with the Gospels? When I was living in D.C., I was on the plane, taking a late flight home, sitting next to a young girl. She was probably 16, 17. I had my collar on, and we got talking, and she said, um, somehow in the course of the conversation, she acknowledged that she was running away from home and was in the midst of uh, an awful lot of difficulties that were going on. Her story seemed to be remarkably akin to the story of the prodigal son, which we just heard this past Sunday at Mass, huh? And so I started to speak a little bit about that with her. And I said, you sound a little bit like the younger son in the story of the prodigal son. And she looked at me like I was from Mars. And I said, are you not familiar with the story of the prodigal son? And she says, no, never heard it. And I just looked at her and I says, oh my goodness, are you in for a wonderful evening? Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Ray. You are listening to a least worst of The Doctor Is In. We have no best of, but this is truly one of our least worst. feel like I'm on a horse. Walking out over the New Mexico Badlands. I don't know if you can say Badlands anymore. It's kind of judgmental. I think you need to say unacceptable lands. Inappropriate lands. Mistakes were made lands. You can't say Badlands. It's so judgmental. So judgmental. Well, five years ago, I never got a single call on this topic. Five years ago, this was not something on the radar of virtually all psychologists, mental health people, doctors. Now, pretty much everybody knows somebody, however tangentially, who is deciding they're in the wrong body. Hi, Cole. How are you? This is Dr. Ray. Good, Dr. Ray. How are you? How old is this brother-in-law? He is 20 years 20. old. 20. Yeah, that's the prime so age a, for a lot of this stuff. Yeah. Yep. He's a college student right now. And, um, yeah, he's decided in the last couple months that he is going to move forward with uh, transitioning. So, you, you talking surgery? We're... 
we're kind of hearing this indirectly. Um, so he has not spoken to me or my wife about it. It's her brother. Um, but kind of through um, her parents and her other brothers, we've heard that he's planning to start hormone therapy. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't know if that means surgery at some point in the future. But, um, yeah, right now he's, he's going to pursue hor- hormone therapy from what we've heard. He's deliberately avoiding his sister. Yes. Because he knows how she views this morally. <laughs> yes. Yep. Uh, where are his parents with this? Um, they're not in agreement with it either. Um, so they have taken him off of their insurance um, and kind of putting him on his own if he's going to choose to move forward with it. Well, I think if you're going to raise any questions about it, you're going to have to go through the parents. There's a couple of things you could share with them. Uh, There is research indication that with uh, hormone transitional therapy, the mortality ends up being three times. Um. So in other words, it's dangerous to do this to the human body. Yep. You might want to look up the study in Sweden, perhaps to share with the parents. Maybe they could share with him. There's a study done in Sweden of several thousand post-sex reassignment surgeries 10 years later. And the suicide rate among those was 32%. 20 times the suicide rate nationally in Sweden. Yeah, so, yep, I I know we're aware of those studies. Um, I guess my main question is, how do we approach this with our... Um, we have a 10-year-old and a 5-year-old son. Um, how, do we, how do we approach this? How do we talk to them? Well, you might not have subject? to, Cole. <laughs> you might not have to for a yeah. while. <laughs> Especially yep. with a 5-year-old, because unless... This brother-in-law decides to come around and decides to say, you need to exactly address me as I want to be addressed. You need to recognize that I am now, uh, for all intents and purposes, proclaiming myself a female. That's when you can explain this to your 10-year-old. The 5-year-old is going to be oblivious. He's not going to understand it. But at that point, at this point, it looks like it's going to be an academic thing because it doesn't sound like he's even going to come around you, does he? Um, he does not come around as much as he used to, so we might see him two or three times in the next year. Mm-hmm. And when you do, and the, if he's getting hormonal replacement, w- will he cross-dress too? So to say, therefore, there's no denying it now. It's uh, in your face, and you have to accept it, and your kids have to accept it. Would he do that? Or no, he would just come over. Uh, and he would not say, you need to call me this, you need to use this pronoun, because now I'm on a hormonal journey, or would he just quietly keep it to himself around your children? So the last couple times we've seen him, it's kind of started with painting nails and earrings and um, kind of that smaller stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, It sounds like he's picked a name. I don't know if he's asked anybody else to start addressing him by that, and I think we would probably be on the back end of that. Okay. 
Well, if it becomes obvious, um, and he comes over under whatever circumstances, and your 10-year-old, boy or girl? Boy. Says, what, what, what is he doing, Dad? What, what is he doing? You can explain to him. You can say, well, he thinks that he's a woman. Huh? I know. I'm confused too, son. I don't understand it either, son. But sometimes people get ideas in their heads, and they want to they wanna follow through on them. And that's what he's doing. That's that's what I would I would say to him. I'd say that uh, he is um, confused about who he is. I think your son okay. at age ten will go. Well, wow! I don't understand that at all, Dad. That doesn't make any sense. So, and you can say, "Well, son, I, I personally agree with you," but we we can't stop him to uh, doing what he what he's doing. Yep. I'm getting a call here. Let's see. I'm just looking at this. Uh, listening to your call with Cole, make sure you talk to your children about this before your schools. Well, that's very true. Uh, that's that's yeah, and we're we're in our Catholic school system, so hopefully that will help the school not push anything on him. But yeah, yeah, you never well, know. So you never know. That's right, and you never know individual teachers. It may not be the school district's right. policy or the school's policy, but individual teachers may decide it's their duty to open up your eight-year-old's mind. Yes, I know. Um, so I'm telling parents, you better be vigilant. It, and it'll, it's interesting because the most vigilant need to be the religious parents, the ones who are trying to raise their children with a set of moral values that they believe are given by God. Other parents who are lukewarm or marginal or even nothing regarding religion, uh, this still bothers most of them. It does. It's, it, it's confusing to kids, very much so. Um, I, I saw a statistic, Cole, uh, was, I forget how many years back, 0.01% of, and I forget the age range, claimed gender confusion. Among adolescents, especially girls, it's now 2%. Mm-hmm. So that's an increase of, what, uh, 200 times? Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, I think you're you're going to be facing this and I think if you explain to your your son that uh he thinks this is this is what he thinks. And if you say to yourself, I think he's confused about this, and you can tell your you can tell your son that. You don't have to yeah. say you don't have to say, well, we need to just uh say this is wonderful because we realize it's a risk. It is a risk in a lot of respects. Thank you. Thank you, yep. Cole. I appreciate it, sir. This is Dr. Ray. No calls at this time. Hi, I'm Al Cresta. Do you remember writing your Christmas wish list as a child? In developing countries like Haiti and Guatemala, children don't make Christmas lists, and they don't expect Christmas gifts. All their parents earn must go to food, shelter, and water. Can you picture the joy of surprising a child with their first Christmas gift? Send them a box of joy at boxofjoy.org. A rosary and the story of Jesus is included in every box of joy. Give today at boxofjoy.org. 
60 on 10 with Monsignor Charles Pope. The Seventh Commandment. You shall not steal. The Seventh Commandment permits theft, that is, unjustly taking or keeping another's property against the reasonable will of the owner. It also prohibits deliberate retention of goods, lent, or of objects lost. It prohibits business fraud, paying unjust wages, forcing up prices, and taking advantage of the ignorance or the hardship of another person. It prohibits the appropriation and use for private purposes of common goods. Also, work poorly done, tax evasion, forgery of checks, invoices, excessive expenses, and waste. Under the Seventh Commandment is also tucked our social justice teachings, because if I have two coats, one of them belongs to the poor, and I reasonably ought to give what belongs to them, because God gave all the goods of this world for all the people of this world. For more about the Ten Commandments, visit EWTNRC.com. I'm Dr. Greg Popchak. And I'm Lisa Popchak from More to Life. Would you like to have a better family life by Christmas? Join us Monday, December 4th at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 Central, for our free webinar, A More Peaceful Family by Christmas, A Catholic Parent's Guide to Advent. In Advent, we're called to make more room in our hearts and homes for Christ. Discover how the grace of Advent can help you celebrate the loving, faithful family life God wants for you. And it's free. Just register at catholichom webinar. That's catholichom webinar. See you there. You're listening to the least worst of The Doctor is In with Dr. Ray Garendi. So please, no calls at this time. Last minute quick announcement. Billings, Montana. Next week we're taping the TV show Monday and Tuesday. Go to BillingsCatholicRadio.com to sign up. Love to have you be in the audience. This is an EWTN program in season number 13, Living Right with Dr. Ray. Fill up that audience. Right now we still got room. We still got some room. You can come to one, two, three, four. You can bring all the kids. Be wonderful to have you. BillingsCatholicRadio.com. If you will not get on this program, you're first up next time you call. That's the way it is. Denver, Colorado, Dave. Hello, Dave. How you doing, Dr. Ray? All righty, sir. Your daughter's back home, huh? Yeah, she had a, a brief stint where she ran away on us. Where'd she go? Scared us pretty good. Where'd she go? Uh, to a few... Probably friends' houses in town. Did the We're parents not exactly call you? Sure. Did the parents no. call you? No. Nice, nice parents. <laughs> yeah. They're rescuing yeah, so. your daughter, Dave. That's right, man. Your daughter gave them horror stories about you and your wife, and uh, so they just quietly kept her there. They didn't call you and say, "Hey." You're probably worried sick. Your daughter is here. They didn't do that, did they? No, they didn't. Oh, interesting. You know who these uh, some people are? Some of the friends are? might have been adult age, too. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Do you know who these people are? Yeah, I have an idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to cite. I got my daughter oh. talked back into coming home. Yeah, what are you going to do if she and... runs away again? Well, th- there we are. So she's 17 at the beginning of a senior year of high school. Mm-hmm. We n- rely on her to drive our other son to high school. We're scared she's going to leave again. And now that she's back, I feel like me and my wife have lost a lot of control over... Uh, well, you better just do what she says, Dave. You better just do what she says. <laughs> well, I can't. I'm a regular Dr. Ray listener, uh-huh. so I'm, I'm uh-huh. bound to not do that. Well, obviously. I mean, this is just a couple minute call 
obviously you and I, if we had a lot of time and you were sitting in my office, we would talk at great length about the history with this girl, about who's influencing her, about how much social media she's involved in, about how long she's had her smartphone, about how disrespectful she's been the last three years. We would talk about all those things. Uh, what was the recent, now I've only got three minutes, so I'll have to rush you along. What was the recent precipitating event where she said, I can't stand it here, I'm out of here? Uh, she thinks that we all need to go to family therapy because our family's imperfections, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. Because you have rules? Screaming in the house. Yeah, rules. Yeah, she didn't like a lot of the rules. Mm-hmm. And now I just wonder how we got how we're going to move forward with this last year before she's an adult. I understand that she's probably not going to be a big fan of us for some of her young life, but we got to get through this, you know. Well, have you said please don't run away again if you do I have to call the police? Uh, yeah, I think we we've, we've touched on that. That's true. Yep. You touched on it or you told her that's what you're going to do? I don't know. I have to go back to the go back to the books. Uh, not sure. So, in essence, what you're saying, Dave, is you're you're afraid to be a father and in charge in your own home because of what your daughter could do. Yeah, I'm afraid she'll. You know, at this point, I think she's close to wanting to just move away when she's 18. Fair mm-hmm. enough, but I think she'll do it again. At the beginning of this uh, 17-year-old year, you know, if we clamp down harder. Well, it doesn't sound like you're clamping down at all. Clamp down harder. For example, she ran away, so are you going to provide her with a car? Well, right now we have her uh, driving to high school with the next sibling down. So Uh in that Uh sense, yes. Ah. Oh, and, you know, right. that that probably drove some of our decision with the whole thing, too. We're worried about him and getting him to school. And yeah. If I didn't have that, I feel like I'd probably clamp down a lot harder. Is there a bus? They no, won't, I didn't. <laughs> they won't take it because they're high schoolers and they're not going to be dorky enough to ride the bus. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, really, you're kind of afraid your son will do some of the same thing. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, Dave, I can't tell you what to do on the basis of a short radio call. But it sure seems to me that if you're living in fear of your daughter running away again, you need to have a definite plan of what you will do if she does this again. And you also need to have a definite plan of how you're going to retake control of your home. She, I assume, has a smartphone, correct? Yeah, well, that was that was one of her uh, things as part of the whole runaway yeah. thing. Yeah, we weren't going to have one. That's right. Yeah, you took well, it. she went out and got one and has it now. You know, mm-hmm. now she's back. Yeah, she's got a smartphone. Uh, sounds like she's out of control. Um, I'm going to run out of time here, Dave. I wish I could give you more, but I my my suggestion would be sit down with your wife and decide what are we going to do if she pushes this again. This is Dr. Ray. Thanks so much for joining me. Hate to go, but have to walk with God. For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook. The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.